Hi, I'm Paul Johnson. Thanks for listening to the podcast from Life Support. How can a, a leader of the church create that culture? I think it has to start with that leader, right? I mean, it has to, uh, language creates culture and so does leadership. And so uh, it's, it's, what is the intent behind the gospel, I think is the biggest piece. And it's, it's having a place for people to belong first and then believe. You know, we look at how Jesus operated throughout Scripture, and it wasn't coming in with judgment at the woman at the well. It was getting to know her. You know, it wasn't uh, throwing stones at Mary Magdala. You know, it was, it was gently calling out what was going on. Licensed professional counselor Dr. Mark Mayfield is our guest today as we come to you on location from the American Association of Christian Counselors Conference in Orlando, Florida. Dr. Mayfield is a college professor owner of Mayfield Counseling Clinics, and specializes in trauma healing and family therapy. Welcome to Life Support. Everything you do from then on is different. One of the detectives, I think his name was He was Derek. a golden boy. All we can do right now is come Extreme together. Extreme domestic violence, multiple rapes. Life Support is hosted by Pastor Paul Johnson from Ridgewood Church in Minnetonka, Minnesota. My name is Steve Johnson, director of Five Stone Media, a co-sponsor of this program. And our goal, as always, is to use these stories to bring hope and healing. And now let's join the conversation with Pastor Paul and Dr. Mark Mayfield. Hey, welcome to Life Support. We are so glad you're with us. What we do on this program is we tell stories to help you find a deeper relationship with Jesus Christ through suffering and trauma and we want you to be encouraged that God is at work regardless of the things that you're dealing with and we're coming to you from the Waymaker World Conference in Orlando Florida from the American Association of Christian Counselors and there's lots of activity here we're right in the middle of it all and it's very exciting and my guest is too his name is Dr. Mark Mayfield thanks for being here Mark yeah, thank you for having me so great to have you uh, Mark is a uh, licensed counselor and you are a guy who, well, number one, you're going to Disney World, so you're in a good yes, mood today. I'm very good mood today. So yeah. um, we'll keep you talking today, and then maybe you'll you'll have a better time at Disney World, <laughs> uh, and, we, and we'll pay the freight for you too. It sounds good. Yeah. So you've written a book, and I really want to get into this book because um, it, it it really rung true to me as I looked at the title, "The Path Out of Loneliness," and loneliness isn't something that we talk about that much, but. Here we are all of a sudden in COVID, and now all of a sudden the word lonely, isolation, all those words are starting to come to the front. What prompted you to write this book? Well, a little story behind the book. It's, it's kind of interesting, kind of an accidental writer. Never thought I would be uh, publishing a book, uh, but about uh, January of 2020, uh, I'm an ideas guy. I have an ideas book next to my bed, and I couldn't find the book, so I rolled over and asked my wife for her phone so I could outline something and outlined the book. And I said, well, I'll use this later. It's just an idea or whatever. And a couple of weeks later, um, the publisher from Nav Press called and said, hey, you know, I know what you do in the community. You're really big on you know, partnering with the church and talking about suicide, self-injury. Would you write a book on suicide? And I said, no, I don't think anybody would buy that book. But I said, I do have something that came to me a couple of weeks ago. Could I send you an outline that I had? And uh, uh, um, four weeks later, uh, they signed a contract with me. And, and then about four weeks later, COVID hit. So... 
God's timing is always perfect. And, uh, you know, I was just at the right time at the right, you know, right space at the right time. We've spent so much time as a country dealing with the physical effects mm-hmm. of COVID, and rightly so. We want to keep people safe. But what about the whole emotional impact of, of COVID? What do you see happening around you as you just observe people trying to work through this pandemic? Well, I think we're, I mean, we're scared. I think there's a lot of misinformation out there, a lot of, infor- well, a lot of information out there trying to figure out what to listen to, what to be uh, paying attention to. But, you know, the kind of the impetus of the book is that we cannot thrive or in, in some ways can't even survive without connection, without relationship. And so this isolation thing has been such, uh, I think, a catalyst in ill health, whether it be a spiritual ill health, mental ill health, physical ill health. Um, I mean, and they're all connected, right? We yeah. can't silo them out. It's, uh, but we're seeing uh, that even though people maybe are on FaceTime with family, it's not the same as like we are right now. I mean, if we were doing this podcast over Zoom, we might not have the same effect as we are in person because I'm getting to read your facial features and I get to see your face and your eyes and we get to play off each other. Uh, there's something about that uh, in our brain. It's called, I call it faceness. There's parts of our brain that don't light up unless we're in proximity with each other. And that contributes to stress reduction. That contributes to uh, soothing out our heartbeat and our breathing, you know, if we're in a safe environment with each other. And so that's not been happening, you know, over the last 18, 24 months. God created us to be in community. Yes. That's how we're wired, right? Right. Yeah. I mean, neurobiologically, you know, if you're, you look at things by Dr. Kurt Thompson and Dr. Daniel Amen, and we, we see just how, you know, interpersonal neurobiology, you know, is it's our brain, uh, our systems don't function the way that they're intended to unless we're in proximity and relationship with each other. And that's why in churches sometimes I know that people sitting in churches get tired of pastors saying, hey, get into a group, get into a Bible study, get into whatever we call our small groups, right. get into relationship with people. Yeah. And they kind of look at us like, well, why would I want to do that? But there's more to it than just growing a church. We're trying to keep people healthy. And what you're saying is that's how you, it's one way to help keep people healthy. Well, it's one way. I think it's in some ways it's the foundation. And I think, you know, uh, as we look throughout Scripture, as, as soon as separation entered, right, we know the passage mm-hmm. when, you know, God's walking through the garden going, where are you? You know, I, I joke sometimes, I'm like, he wasn't directionally challenged. He knew exactly where they were. But because he can't be in front of sin, there was that immediate separation, that immediate void. And he was going, away. what happened? Where are you? And, and I think it's always been our desire, you know, as Christians to move, and God's desire to redeem that, right? I mean, that's mm-hmm. the whole narrative of Scripture to the cross and beyond. And uh, I think as... Uh, as Western modern-day Christians, we we lose sight of that for some reason. Whether it's we have to achieve success and we have to have whatever that looks like, uh, or we've been wounded. I mean, let's talk about that for a minute. That many of us have been wounded in relationships. And yeah. So why would we put ourselves back in that place? Well, that's I think in some ways that whisper the lie of of Satan coming in and trying to distract us from what can be healing. And so it's it's finding those relationships those connections that uh, can be restorative and reparative. And so it's, you've got to be wise, obviously. Just don't jump into something and then share your life story and expect people to, mm-hmm. you know, to accept you. Um, but I think one of the things I'm finding in my work is that if there is not relationship health, we're going to have emotional ill health. Our physical health is going to deteriorate. 
I mean, we're dying 10 to 15 years earlier in this current culture. And I really believe that it's due to lack of quality relationships. Wow. You know, when you talk about being wounded in past relationships, many people that are going through difficult relationships just leave churches. Yes. Because they feel shame. Yep. They feel like no one's going to understand this. Everybody else around me is perfect. Right. How can a, how can a church leader begin to embrace a culture in their church where that doesn't happen, where people are free to engage in relationships or to say, I don't have any. Mm-hmm. Can you help me? Mm-hmm. Well, I, I think you keyed in on that. How can a, a leader of the church create that culture? I think it has to start with that leader, right? I mean, it has to, um, language creates culture and so does leadership. And so uh, it's, it's what is the intent behind the gospel, I think, is the biggest piece. And it's it's having a place for people to belong first and then believe. You know, we look at how Jesus operated throughout Scripture, and it wasn't coming in with judgment at the woman at the well. It was getting to know her. You know, it wasn't uh, throwing stones at Mary Magdala. You know, it was it was gently calling out what was going on and then, you know, creating that space. And I think a lot of times we get into a place of we have to have people believe what we believe and why we believe what we believe versus okay, tell me about you and, and what makes you tick and tell me about your history and your story. And, and I think that's, if we can create opportunities for story to be told and to be listened genuinely, right, uh, I, then I think it, it opens up opportunities for connection. And so I think the best thing a, a leader of a church, a senior leader of a church could do is begin to open up from the pulpit about their own journey and their own story. Now, Granted, there should be boundaries. Don't go. Sure. Don't go into the gory details. Right. Yeah. But go. You know. Hey, here's my experience with depression. Here's my yeah. experience with anxiety. Here's mm-hmm. my experience with relational trauma. And I think what that does is it it takes away the conflict of um, nobody understands me or that shame of nobody's going to understand you. People are going to judge you. And if, especially if a senior leader begins to talk about that. We'll be back to the conversation with Paul and Dr. Mayfield in just a moment. Today's program is taped on location from the American Association of Christian Counselors Conference in Orlando, Florida. My name is Steve Johnson, Executive Director of Five Stone Media, and we are so pleased to be a co-sponsor of this program. We use story to bring hope and healing for those in need of change. And for more about story-based resources, log on to lifesupportresources.org. That's lifesupportresources.org. And now, back to Pastor Paul. And so I think the best thing a leader of a church, a senior leader of a church could do is begin to open up from the pulpit about their own journey and their own story. Now, Granted, there should be boundaries. Don't go, sure. don't go into the gory details. Right, yeah. But go, you know, hey, here's my experience with depression. Here's my yeah. experience with anxiety. Here's mm-hmm. my experience with relational trauma. And I think what that does is it, it takes away the conflict of um, nobody understands me or that shame of nobody's going to understand you. People are going to judge you, and if, especially if a senior leader begins to talk about that. Yeah, it's interesting because of the trauma in my past, and I'll refer to it— um, when the text calls for it or when I feel like it's going to, to help people. And I'll often say to my wife, you know, I feel like I talk about it too much. Mm-hmm. And she'll look at me and say, you hardly talk about it 
at all. And Paul, when you do, they're on the edge of their seats. Right. Right. Because they're all of a sudden they're starting to discover you and they're starting in their own minds going, Wow, like if he got through that right. then maybe I can get through my stuff. But it's so hard to know what that boundary is sometimes. Well, and, but also I think too the phrase of if if he's talking about it, maybe I can too. Yeah. I think is a big deal. And and but then I think creating, you know, one of my biggest passions right now is how do I equip church senior staff, key leadership and key volunteers to to take a receiving posture. And so a lot of my work now is being changed turned to from like day-to-day counseling to let me get into a church, do some coaching, do mm-hmm. some uh, trainings and and give the opportunity for a church to be um, a healthy triage unit. I think we're triage units whether we realize it or not, right? Yeah. But but how do we do that in a way that is healthy? And that's what can we own ourselves and then what can we uh, what do we need to partner with outside of the congregation? Outside of the church right now, as we all know, it's black and white. Either you believe this or you believe this. There's no middle ground. If you don't believe this, I don't want to be around you anymore. Right. And it's gone from this kind of you know, I used—I remember walking to school when I was a kid with my friends, and you come from Republican houses, Democratic houses, and you basically have your parents' political sure. views, and yeah. you kind of yelled at each other a little bit, but then you went and played baseball, big deal, right. right? And now nobody even talks to each other, and that's blood into the church, right? It is. Well, I talk about that, in, so the book is broken down into three parts, and part one's kind of laying the problem out. Part two is how has God designed it, this idea of tribalism uh, in our culture. And it's seeping into the church. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> it's interesting to me uh, when we have such a desire, when we're so lonely and we have such a desire to be seen, known, valued, and loved, we tend to push through our emotions. We, we ignore them. We turn off our logic. Mm-hmm. And we will do or say anything to be accepted. And I, we see that play out in our culture of like the us versus, uh, you know, us versus them, me versus you type of mind, mindset where there's no... Oh, we can sit in the gray. We can sit in the tension and go, okay, we don't agree, but I value you as a human mm-hmm. being and created in the image of God. Okay, let's go play baseball. Yeah, right. I want to I talk about that image of God piece because that's so important. My guest is Dr. Mark Mayfield. His book, The Path Out of Loneliness from NAV Press, is available now. And if you hear that background noise, we're right in the middle of the Waymaker World Conference, and we're with mental health professionals that want to make a difference, and so this is really exciting. So... This piece of being made in the image of God, the value of every individual. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I can look at you and say, yeah, I, I get that. But my own shame, mm-hmm. my own inability to approach somebody to go into relationship, how does one begin to deal with that aspect? Well, I think it's a, having a right understanding of Scripture. And I think a lot of times we, we misread we, well, I think we lose a lot when we don't go back to the original Hebrew and Greek. And, and you know, you're, as a pastor, you were like, yeah, I agree, I agree with that. Yeah. Those, were, those classes I'll never forget. I'll never forget those either. <laughs> um, but we look at the greatest, you know, the greatest commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And we, I, I have always read that as a, you know, and especially in my Western thinking, as a linear list. Mm-hmm. And, and we have to recognize the context in which it was written. And it was very much of an, uh, an Asian or, you know, Middle Eastern culture where they didn't list things out. That was all cyclical. And uh, the word, the second is like it, homoios in the Greek means equal to. And, and you know, and so looking at that in a, in a cyclical matter, 
in the way I read it, and, and, and I'm still developing this, but the way I read it is love God, self, and others has to be somewhat balanced, somewhat mm-hmm. rhythmic and cyclical, mm-hmm. because if we're not loving ourselves and taking care of ourselves, how can we love others and love God well? And it's not an over-inflated love of self. It's a balanced love of self. But I think that's where we have to come back to. And I, I, I struggle. With, I'll be completely honest. I struggle with that. Uh, I've had a lot of shame in my life. I've had trauma in my life. I, 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 I daily um, walk through bouts of anxiety and depression. Um, and, and I have to come back to that right understanding of love of self. And that means that it's okay to advocate for myself. It's okay to speak up and say, hey, I need this. I need something. I need you to hear me. I need you to see me. Or I'm going to go spend some money and go find a, a Christian counselor. Um, or I'm going to sit with a friend that I know is trustworthy and go, okay, I, I just need, I need you right now. And, and, it, and, and we have to get past that. Well, it's got to be reciprocal. Well, it will be. They might need you down the road. Yeah. But it's not in that moment you need to have your needs met. And I think it's, uh, it's standing up for ourselves in that way. But having that right understanding of Scripture and how we should see ourselves in relationship to others in God. Is yeah, good. that's really good. You know, I, I will sit each morning and I will, I will talk to God about how I'm feeling. And, mm-hmm. and uh, I, I struggle with many of the things you just said. And so I've gotten to the point now where I can openly just, you know, God, can, God already knows. And, yeah. But why is it important then for me to also tell a human being? Mm-hmm. It's interesting. So I, I'm, as a therapist, I love narrative therapy. And, and the reason I love narrative therapy is that there's so much power in telling our story. Um, but the way I do narrative therapy is I will have clients write out their story, what has happened to me. They'll come into session and they'll read it out loud to me. And then I'll turn around and read it to them. We hear it in three different ways. And there's something powerful about, and almost cathartic, and actually um, it changes the neuro wiring of our brain when we tell somebody something out loud. It's almost like it's that, that cathartic release. And it, we feel it emotionally, right? But it's, it's amazing how our brain reacts and changes. In a lot of ways, it heals the trauma that mm. in our brain is, you know, re, is rewiring our brain. And the more we tell our story out loud... Uh, the more our brain f- fires in those new neural pathways. It's beautiful. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. You know, we, um, as evangelicals, we look at the Catholic Church and the whole idea of confession, and we mm-hmm. kind of go, oh, you know, we don't need that. But there's something, they were on to something. They were, yep. Because you're telling somebody something. Yeah. And you're voicing it. And when you voice it, then you can't escape it, kind of. You've got to deal with it now. It's out there. It's out there. Well, it goes back to Scripture, right? Mm-hmm. Where we have to bring things into the light. You know, if we keep it in the darkness, you know, and, and I, I don't want to... Uh, have people misunderstand this conversation in that sense of like your your struggle is not sin, correct? But but sometimes Satan will allow you know will keep it in the darkness because we're afraid of what what happens if we bring it to the light. But nine times out of ten, nine point nine nine times out of ten, when we bring it into the light, there's immediate healing, and and we begin to process through the continued sustained healing of that. All right, Doctor Mark Mayfield, here's an easy question for you. Where did we begin the process of keeping everything bottled up? Has it always been that way, or have we become individualistic Americans that just, you know, we've got all this junk going on inside of us. When did we become afraid to tell somebody, I'm a sinner? Yeah. I mean, I think it's been, I think that's just, that's the, the whispers of Satan. 
even from the garden. You're not good enough. Right, not good enough. Mm -hmm. You know, God's not going to love you if you mm -hmm. speak that out loud. Nobody's going to, you know, see. But I, I really do believe the, and I'm not putting all the blame on this, but I really believe that the onset of social media and, and you know, the iPhone generation type of thing, when we are able to put forward prefabricated versions of ourselves online in Instagram and Facebook posts and that kind of stuff, I, I really have begun to see a shift of everything's fine, but if you look on the, on the undertone, uh, undertones of that, anxiety has, has spiked significantly since 2007, depression has spiked significantly, but we're not seeing that in, we're seeing that in, in probably in your offices as a pastor, I'm yep. seeing that in my offices, but we're not seeing that put out there. And I think what would be really amazing is if we had a movement of posting truth on Instagram and in and, and, and our social media posts of not, here's my beautiful house. Yeah. No, here's what it looked like 20 minutes ago before mm -hmm. I cleaned it. Mm -hmm. And I've got five kids running around and mm -hmm. I don't know what to do with myself and I'm struggling. Or for me, waking up and going, wow, I got triggered this morning. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I don't, I've, I've worked through my stuff, but something came up and, and I had to lie down and put a washcloth on my head and I take a picture. Of the, you know, I don't know. Yeah. Like, I think that's yeah. the biggest thing, but I think I am seeing a movement more and I, I hope, you know, I, I hope you are too, of the more conversations we're having, uh, the more that is changing and the tide is changing a little bit, but there's still going to be those pockets where Satan's voice, the whispers are going to be yeah. strong. Well, I, th and I think we have made some progress in that area but it seems like the the basic fear is i am not going to be loved that, that yeah that's right? the biggest lie because because if i say that wow mm -hmm. i'm done well i'll think about and I, maybe going down a path of of a different conversation for a different time but think about the rise in, in sexual addiction and pornography in the church mm -hmm. and it's because i don't think we we don't talk about what to do with that and it's such a shameful conversation it's such a um, you know, if I bring this up, I might lose my job. If I bring this up, you know, who's going to sit with me and walk with me through that versus let's talk about it. Let's, let's not normalize it because it shouldn't be normal. Right. But let's, let's talk about it to a place of what do we do to walk out of that. And I think that's where we see such a pervasiveness of loneliness in our, in our culture right now is that we begin these narratives in our mind of what you're going to say to me, and I've not even said anything yet, and I'm assuming the worst of you yes. in this conversation, and therefore I talk myself out of saying anything. It's kind of like we all have our phones and we're, we're hiding, mm -hmm. and we, we turn our phones away. Yeah. And, and, and I don't really want you to know what I'm doing or what I'm thinking. Right. And um, that's where sin really can, can fester yeah. quickly. Quickly. And that's where isolation can happen quickly, right? Yeah. Yeah, I make a statement that uh, disconnection leads to loneliness. Loneliness leads to isolation, and isolation leads to death. Hmm. Uh, and I'm not talking about physical death. Yeah. You know, uh, yeah. I mean, it could eventually. It could. Um, and I think as the body of Christ, it's our responsibility, it's our joy to reverse that. That's good. So the book is Path Out of Loneliness. It's available now on NAV Press. NAV Press, Amazon, uh, Barnes & Noble, wherever, Christian booksellers, wherever you want to get it. That's good because we need this, and I really appreciate you dropping by. And it's, it's, what you're doing is really important because as a pastor, I, I look around and there's just so much disconnection. Mm -hmm. So just from the title of the book, I know now there is a path out of loneliness, right? Mm -hmm. it, it, all is not lost. All is not lost. There is hope.
It's always hope with Jesus. Absolutely. Thanks a lot, Mark. I appreciate it. Appreciate being here. We're here in Orlando. We're at the Waymaker World Conference, sponsored by the American Association of Christian Counselors. And what we do in life support is we just want you to be encouraged that through these difficulties, some of them we've talked about in this show, Jesus is always there. Jesus is always calling you to himself. And he said, in this world, you will have trouble. That's not, you might, could happen, you will, but I have overcome the world. And so I want you to be encouraged by that today. You may be struggling. You may be listening to this going like, I've never been lonelier. I've never had so much shame. I just lost someone. My kids are off the rails. Whatever it might be at your doorstep, remember Jesus has overcome the world. And that's what we do here on Life Support. You can also find out more about this program at faithradio.com. They have been such great partners, that network. Also, you can see a visual version of this program at fivestonemedia.com. And if you'd like to check us out at Ridgewood Church, you can also find us there at www.myrwc.org. And so thanks so much for listening to Life Support, and we'll catch you next time as we find out more about who Jesus is and how he works through suffering. This is Steve Johnson again, Executive Director of Five Stone Media, and we've had the privilege of creating the Life Support Series and the Life Support Resource Library. That library includes tools and resources that can help you be equipped to come alongside others who are suffering and in pain. Among the tools included are therapist webinars and blogs, sermon starters and sermon transitions, short videos, small group material, and conferences. You can find out more at this address, lifesupportresources.org. Again, that's lifesupportresources.org. And we would love to introduce you to that material. This Life Support Program is a co-production of Five Stone Media and Ridgewood Church in Minnetonka, Minnesota. Thanks for listening to this Life Support Podcast. These conversations are available because of listener support. You can make a gift now at MyFaithRadio.com. To avoid missing future editions of Life Support, subscribe to the podcast today at iTunes or your podcast player. And thanks for sharing this audio link with a friend and grow the impact of Life Support.